In case you don't know who I am, I'm Elaine Hooten. I've been coming here with my husband since 2013. <laughs> um, this is my first time preaching in eight years. That's a long time, so bear with me. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start today off. We're, we're going to talk about joy in the midst of suffering and in difficulty. I'm going to start off by telling you about my week, which has been very eventful. So we got in a car accident a week ago Thursday. It was a really bad car accident. That's the worst car accident I've ever been in. It was very scary, I have to say. Foster was at the impact site, and uh, he was screaming. And that was the worst sound I have ever heard in my life. Just screaming. I couldn't get to him fast enough. He was taken to the hospital in an ambulance because they weren't sure what kind of damage he had. And Ella and I went with him. The car door, this is, this is where Foster was sitting. So you can see it was pretty bad. Um, yeah. So we were at the hospital. Chris took care of the car. He ends up at the hospital. We all get checked out. None of us have a broken bone. Foster might have a chip in his hip, but we went to the chiropractor this past week, and it, he doesn't think it's a chip. He thinks it's, I don't know what he thinks it is, but he doesn't think it's a chip. He said it just looks like, oh, he said it was maybe a calcification on his bone. But it, he, his hip has been, is clearly bruised, and so he's using crutches just to take the weight off of that so that he's not in as much pain. He has a loft bed, so he was sleeping in the living room <laughs> because he can't get up there. So after the first initial shock, I just <laughs> noticed that uh, I wasn't as scared as I thought I would be. But I was, I was worried about things, but not like normal worried. I am, I am a worrier, a very bad worrier. And it wasn't like that. There was kind of a piece um, about the whole situation. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for putting me here today. Help the words that I say be the words that you have put into my mouth. Help me to say only what is helpful and advances your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at Philippians 1, 12 through 18. I want you to know, this is Paul reading, or writing, I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard 
and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. So Paul is in prison. He has been imprisoned unfairly. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's been persecuted for preaching about Jesus. The Jews didn't like it. The Romans, they went along with the Jews. Why not lock them up? (laughs) But the gospel was Paul's singular passion. He was all about sharing Jesus. That passion gave him joy, regardless of his situation. This is a painting by Rembrandt. Paul looks like he's seen some stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> so he he's in prison. He's chained to a guard, but the passion that he has has given him joy regardless of his situation. Jesus was that passion, and we too can have Jesus as our passion, make Jesus our passion and our solid foundation in life, and then joy can flow from that. That joy is a witness to others. So what can we do to see the joy in a situation that's difficult? We need to focus on Christ. Always focus on Christ. That's the most important thing. Paul was writing this letter to the Philippians from prison. He was wrongly accused, wrongly imprisoned. Verse 15 states, Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. So, not only was he in prison, but some of his brothers in Christ were in opposition to Paul, and they were taking advantage of the opportunity and stirring up rivalries while Paul was in prison. That's just icing onto the suffering cake, you know? So picture Paul. He's writing from prison, chained to a guard 24 hours a day, no privacy, and yet he still has a positive outlook. That's a lot to overcome and still be positive and joyful about. Instead of being discouraged with the circumstances, he's filled with joy. Paul's joy in the midst of difficulty is only possible because he's able to see the big picture. He sees the hand of God working through his difficulty for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's his passion, so he's all for that. 
He sees the positive impact his imprisonment has had on unbelievers and on believers as well. Paul was able to have real joy in the face of difficulty because of that singular passion in life. So Paul's one aim, his one passion in life, had become the cause of Christ. That drove Paul, that one passion drove Paul, the one passion that drove Paul (laughs) was that the gospel of Jesus Christ be advanced. His expectation that Christ would be magnified was the source of his joy. Let's look at Philippians 1.20. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now, as always, in my body, whether by life or by death. So you can see how all in Paul was. He was all in. This was his, his passion, his most passionate passion. He wasn't expecting fame or wealth. He wasn't expecting personal comfort or gain. His expectation in life was that Christ would be magnified. If he had had the wrong expectations, if he had been wanting personal comfort, wealth, fame, he would have been bitterly disappointed if he'd ended up in prison. Very bitterly disappointed. Bitterly disappointed when things didn't turn out the way he wanted. If our expectation, though, is to magnify Christ, no matter what happens, we find ourselves then able to be joyful no matter what the circumstances. There's no room for disappointment. We'll have cause for joy just like Paul. When others see a joyful attitude in our lives during adverse circumstances, they'll want to know more about the reason for our joy. And it will give us an opportunity to share the gospel and be a light for Jesus. We must also be encouraged by the love of others when going through difficulties. While sometimes it may seem like everyone is against us, or the world is against us, whatever that really means, or even that God is against us, that's not true. God is always for us. The world doesn't really care about us. (laughs) And chances are, not everyone is against you. There's always, usually, somebody you can find. In verse 16, Paul talks about the other ministers. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I've been put here for the defense of the gospel. So here you can see there were others that were on his side. There, there were those that weren't, but there were also those that were. They were preaching for the right reasons. They were preaching out of love. They understood that Paul was in chains because of the defense of the gospel. 
They understood that his imprisonment was an opportunity to defend the gospel. They knew that Paul wasn't in prison because of a flaw in his character or because he had actually done something wrong, but because of his allegiance to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The love mentioned here seems to refer specifically to their love for Paul. These others had chosen to join with Paul in the preaching and defense of the gospel of Christ. So he had some wonderful love and support from other believers. It encouraged him and it helped him to maintain his joy while he was in prison and while other believers were attacking him. We need each other. We definitely need each other. God made us to need each other. There are gonna be problems in our lives Wherever there are people, there are bound to be problems. There are bound to be difficulties. Because we're all human, and we fail, and we sin, and we don't do the right thing, and at times we act from bad motives. But instead of getting discouraged by others when they fail us, we need to be encouraged for by those who are still working alongside us, for those that are praying for us, encouraging us, for those being faithful to Jesus and his cause. Throughout the past week during our situation, we were shown so much love and support. From you, our church family, Pastor Don and Pastor Jacob lent us a vehicle for a weekend, which I can tell you helped greatly. <laughs> We were brought groceries and medicine. Some people helped out with our finances. And then there were so many prayers from all over the United States, from our family, our friends, coworkers, our community members, you know, our own family that we have. That, inclu that includes just everyone that we know loves us. They're all praying for us. People from my mom's church that love her were praying for us. We have to seek out those who are for us. If we feel attacked or if we feel just overwhelmed with the difficulties we're going through, we need to seek the support that other people can offer us. If you can't find anyone, I guarantee you someone from this church will be there for you so you can always call the church. <laughs> we can pray for you. We can help you in other ways. You will find someone if you seek. I know that you will. So find someone to confide in and share your burdens with. Lastly, we can't seek revenge during difficulties. Paul's Paul's joy was possible because of the fact that he didn't look for revenge against those who meant him harm. He didn't seek any retaliation. When someone attacks us, our, our natural instinct is to want to strike back. If someone makes us look bad, we, we kind of want to make them look bad. We, we want to look for any opportunity to make them look bad. 
Paul wasn't trying to get people to choose sides, though. He wasn't concerned about whether people were following him or some other preacher of the gospel. He wanted others to follow Christ. It didn't matter to him whether it was a result of his ministry or someone else's. That's, that just didn't matter to him. If he had focused on getting even with those who were trying to harm his ministry, he would have lost his joy. He would have lost his effectiveness. If he'd been filled with bitterness and resentment toward those who'd done him wrong, he wouldn't be able to make the statement, I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. So when someone offends you and you start to wallow in self-pity, we all have those moments. I know I have quite a few of them. (laughs) You'll be quickly sapped of your joy. And if those who are watching you and listening to you, if they see you angry, if they see you frustrated, they'll lose their joy too. Paul isn't feeling sorry for himself, even though he's in prison. He's not trying to get others to feel sorry for him. He's joyful. He's genuinely joyful. I'm sure it was hurtful for Paul to experience the opposition he experienced from, from fellow believers. Yet he responded in a godly way. He didn't let himself get offended, and he didn't get self-absorbed in his own hurt. He wasn't easily offended. We need to learn the kind of joy that Paul experienced that spared him from constantly having hurt feelings. So is our response like Paul's? Is it Christ-like? We need to be Christ-like in all we do. People are watching us to see what we'll do. If we retaliate, that will give them reason not to follow Christ. We have to be thick-skinned sometimes. We have to let God do the work in their hearts. While we sit back and be okay with that. Let our joy be. Paul had the height of an elephant. He didn't fall apart when others tried to harm him. He didn't become despondent or discouraged or depressed or throw in the towel. He remained joyful. I find it encouraging to have this example of Paul's joy to follow. Even when others offend us or hurt us, we can be joyful. Even when we have multiple things going on, that are just pretty awful in our lives. We don't have to wallow in self-pity. We don't have to become bitter or resentful. We can be filled with joy just like Paul was. Being joyful in difficulty means having a new perspective. We can't look, like, we can't look at life like we did before. As Christians, we have a new perspective. Jesus is in our lives. We need to look constantly to God and his great and awesome love for us. The fact that he provides for us every day, that he protects us and loves us. How can we not have joy with such a great, big, loving God watching out for us? 
that's a pretty good defense, you know, a bodyguard. So, why should we find joy in difficulties? Well, the first reason, joy results in impacting unbelievers. Philippians 1.13, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. The palace guard here refers to what was known as the Praetorian Guard. There were an elite group of Roman soldiers. They were from, like, the elite families. Paul was under constant guard by them. They worked in six-hour shifts, and he would likely have had contact with many different guards during his confinement. His confinement was approximately two years. That's a lot of guards. A whole lot of guards. The word spread about, about Paul, who was there because of his faith in Christ, not because he had any criminal activity that he had done. He had an opportunity to minister to these guards that he wouldn't have had if he hadn't been in prison. He had an opportunity to minister to court officials when he was, you know, in court. One commentator states, he was in Rome as an official prisoner, and his case was an important one. The Roman government was going to determine the official status of this new Christian sect. Was it merely another sect of the Jews? Or was it something new and possibly dangerous? Imagine how pleased Paul must have been knowing that the court officials were forced to study the doctrines of the Christian faith. You, you hear that? Like, they had to study what he was preaching in order to determine if it was okay or not. That is an amazing witness. They didn't even realize they were getting into that. <laughs> it was evident to the palace guard and all the rest that Paul's chains, chains were in Christ. All the rest probably included the court officials, some even in Caesar's household. The palace guard that was guarding Paul also guarded the emperor and his family. So these guards would be all switching places and, and telling everyone they met about, about this Paul who was preaching a new, a new gospel. Word got around. Philippians 4.22, all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. That right there shows so much. So all because, all because Paul was joyful and talked about God, Christ, Caesar's household was coming to know Jesus. So Paul, Paul's joy had an, un, an impact, had an impact on unbelievers. His difficulty and being imprisoned was used by God to touch the lives of others with the gospel. It was a tremendous opportunity. His difficulty impacted so many lives. 
we need to learn that the effectiveness of our testimony for Christ depends on our attitude in the face of difficulty. When we face difficulties and complain to people about our circumstances, we can ruin our opportunity for witnessing. On the other hand, if we're consistently joyful, even in the midst of trials, we extinguish any opposition to the message of Jesus Christ. Do you mind if I talk about what when, Wednesday, Thursday? So Chris was speaking at Life Challenge, and he was telling them about his accident. And they were all shocked that he was telling it, and he was laughing. He was, he was laughing at it, just like... Listen to this. Listen to how, God, how crazy God is. And that's, that's the witness we need to, to give. You know, to have, to have people asking us, how can you, how can you be laughing? Because that's what they did. They asked him, how, why are you laughing? That's not, that's not funny. <laughs> but, but we can find joy in our difficulties. The gospel of Jesus is advanced when we live with a passion to magnify him in every part of our lives. The second reason is because joy results in impacting believers. So Paul's joy in the midst of difficulty gave courage to other believers. They saw in the midst of his potentially troubling circumstances, not really potentially, just troubling circumstances, (laughs) how God was taking care of him and using him. They were encouraged by his joy, and they became bolder to tell others about Jesus Christ. When we hear of others taking a stand, whether it be for Christ or maybe for a cause, anything really, in general, it makes people more willing to also follow that cause. Because, like I said earlier, we need people. We need community. And when we, can, when we feel like there's others that are supporting that idea, then we can join in too. We feel bolder. We feel like, okay, I can do this too. If they can do it, I can do it. Joy is contagious. It's a wonderful thing for us as believers to spread around. One commentator notes, Paul's circumstances had emboldened other Christians in Rome. One might suppose that his imprisonment would have dampened any evangelizing efforts and have caused the believers in Rome to go underground. But exactly the opposite was true. They drew courage from Paul's example and laid their fears aside. A literal rendering of the clause in the latter part of verse 14 is, To a much greater degree, they are daring to speak the word of God without fear. That it was daring indicates no lessening of the danger, but a new infusion of courage. The present tense shows it was no momentary enthusiasm that quickly passed, but that it was still the situation as Paul wrote his letter. Surely, the apostle's own attitude to his chains must have been largely responsible for these results. If he had become depressed by developments, the effect on others would have been far different. 
It was Paul's use of the change in his circumstances as a fresh opportunity to spread the word of God that encouraged the Christians in Rome to do likewise. So back to the car accident. After that initial shock, which lasted a few hours, like the worst of the shock lasted a few hours. It was lingering shock, let me tell you. <laughs> but the worst of the shock where I was shaky and, and scared because I had to leave Foster in the trauma room and I had to go with Ella and be checked out myself. You know that, how can I leave my baby alone? He's the one that's most hurt. You know, that kind of thing. After all that initial shock wore off, I just felt a peace about our situation. I really, if you know me, you know how much of a worrier I am. I can, I can really worry. I can really stress out. But this was different. God just gave me this sense of peace. I felt joy because we were all alive. Even though we were in the hospital and I wasn't sure about Foster, I was, I was just so relieved that we were all alive because that's scary. That, that could have ended in a death easily. When I spoke to God, not, when I spoke to others about the situation and I was able to say, God protected us from this, I felt joy. I felt joy in being able to say, this, this wasn't just a safe car, which a Hyundai Sonata is a really well-rated car, and that's why I picked it. But it wasn't just the car. It was God. There's plenty of chance for us to be discouraged and lose our joy. But I wasn't. I wasn't scared. Paul was filled with joy because his passion was for the gospel. His circumstances didn't hinder the gospel message, but actually promoted its advancement. Not only did God use Paul's joy through difficulty to impact unbelievers, Many had an opportunity to hear the good news that Jesus Christ died to save sinners. But God also used Paul's joy to embolden other believers. They were encouraged to share the gospel as well. So what about in daily life? You know, car accidents, they happen, but that's not really daily life. Daily life would be not having enough money each week to cover your groceries or your bills. Not, not, in my situation, I have a lot of pain, which I'm recently figuring out and it's lessening. But, but daily pain is another, another thing that can really get you down. Things like that, the things that just wear at you daily, you can still have joy in that. Where does your passion intersect the passion of Christ? That's where you find that joy. That's where you, you refill your joy so that you can make it through the daily life, the struggles, 
everything that we go through. For me, I find joy at work by serving others who serve others, if that makes sense. It's kind of a ministry of helps. My coworkers are case managers. They're over teenage girls. And they, they have to deal with a lot. You know, those girls have been through a lot. The girls take it out on the case managers. There's a lot of, there's a lot of emotion. I feel joy when I can make the case manager smile. Sometimes that just means doing extra paperwork for them. Because man, there's a lot of paperwork in that line of work and it's, it's crazy because you want to focus on the girls. One coworker, she loves double bubble gum. I don't know why I think that's crazy, but I keep some in my office. And that just that one act of she comes in and she gets some double bubble and she's happier, you know? And it's, so it's the little things that, that's where I find my passion, you know? By impacting them just a little bit, I'm also impacting those girls. You know, I don't, I don't have the passion, I don't have a true passion for impacting them directly, but I do have a passion for impacting those case managers. So that's what I do. That way they can focus on the clients. I focus on them, they focus on the clients. Like Drew said two weeks ago, God is our strength, and we can trust him with our troubles. We can give him the difficulty and then rejoice in God and make it through those difficulties with joy in our heart. We can proclaim Christ and it will make a greater impact. Perhaps we won't even realize it. Perhaps we won't even be trying to make a greater impact, but just having that joy makes such a difference. We will impact ourselves and those around us. Verse 10 of Nehemiah 8 from Drew's sermon. Then he said to them, go your way. Remember they were having a party. Nehemiah is saying, go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Our situation with the car has been amazing. We have seen God's hand in every step of the way. To finish this story, Wednesday, Wednesday, I found out that, you know, we need to send our old title to the insurance agency. And then they would be able to send us, send us the money for our car. Well, first of all, I found out that they were going to give us $17,000 for our car that we only owed eleven on. That's $6,000 extra. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, I wanted to just like... Woohoo! And I'm trying not to lose my cool, you know, like 
you know, I don't want to be too uncool, but what? You're going to give me $6,000 because I was in an accident? So we're going to uh, test drive a vehicle for me, the one I ended up buying. We get about a block away from the dealership. Chris's car dies. His car, it was bad. It was, it was pretty bad. We knew it needed to be replaced, and we just hadn't gotten around to it. We hadn't really had the money to get around to it. And when we found out that we were getting $6,000 extra, dollars, we thought, oh, we better buy Chris a car. But uh, we stopped at UPS on the way to that test drive, and I put, I put the title in the mail, and they had given me a UPS label. It was like as soon as they scanned that, they sent the money. And we had that $6,000 in our bank account the next morning. It was so insane. Because here we were, his car breaks down Wednesday night, so we don't have a car for like overnight, you know? We test drive my new car, and we tell them our situation. Hey, our car's stuck a block away. <laughs> and we're in Troy, you know? We, we live down here. We don't want to deal with all that, you know? So they let us take the test, they, they let us do an overnight test drive, and they towed Chris's vehicle to their lot so that then we could use it as a trade-in. Because it just, it wouldn't even start. It just, it just stopped. We turned the corner and it just stopped and we coasted quite a ways, but not quite far enough. <laughs> so Thursday morning, I'm taking everybody to school slash work and uh, the engine light goes on. On the, on the car we're test driving. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I had to still, I had to stop and get the stuff out of the old car before they took that away. So I stopped there and I asked the guys, I'm like, do you know somebody who can look at this car? Because I didn't, you know, I'm trying to be smart about it. Let's have someone independent look at the car. They say, it's a sensor. And I'm like, okay. It's a sensor, and that sensor, if it goes off, it makes the car, like, throttle itself so there's not more damage. Never heard of such a thing, but, you know, that's not really surprising. So I take it back to the dealership. They say it's a sensor, too, so they fix it. There was a crack in the windshield. They, f they get a new windshield. I sit there all day, but, you know, I expected that. I took the day off because I just had so much to deal with. I just needed the day. So... I drive away with the car. I still need a new windshield because the windshield they put on there was weird. But, <laughs> but that can be dealt with, you know? Then we go to get Chris a vehicle. We, we go to test drive a vehicle for, what, yesterday? No, Friday night. He loves it. I'm still a little unsure, I gotta be honest, but... Okay, so he buys a vehicle. So within a week, we go from two cars to no cars to two cars. It was just crazy. Plus, Ella's, Ella's computer was damaged in the accident. Because we had so much, the $6,000, his vehicle only cost like three. 
then we had the money to buy her a new computer. We bought ourselves a new computer, which we also have been needing for a long time. We bought groceries, which I have to say, we haven't bought groceries in a while. So that was a blessing. <laughs> money is tight around here. So we took care of all of that. We've been to the chiropractor twice. I don't even know how, much we, how we've done all of that stuff in one week, but every step of the way, God was taking care of us. This morning, I fell out of the shower. I, I fell onto my shoulder that was already hurt from the seatbelt. And I said, not today, Satan. Not today. <laughs> and I still felt joy. Sometimes it is a decision. I decided I'm not going to get discouraged about this. I'm going to go speak about joy and I'm going to be joyful because I don't care if I fell out of the shower. God still has protected me all of this way and I'm okay. And God can do that for you too. And it's such a great witness to be able to be joyful. I have enjoyed telling my coworkers the horror stories and then the good part how God has provided. So we're gonna take communion now. Let's pray. Father God, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in, remember, in remembrance of me. For whenever I eat this bread and drink this cup, I proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The mystery of the faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Thank you, Jesus, for this. The medicine of immortality, the antidote to death. Amen.